Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson. Thank you for listening and watching to us here today. Unlocked on Blue Devils, a daily podcast devoted to everything going on in the life of Duke Athletics. Basketball season is here. Tons of conversations that we will have surrounding the Stukeman's basketball team. With the big game coming up on Friday at home against Arizona. Next Tuesday, they head to Chicago to take on Michigan State in the Champions Classic. It's the perfect time of year, and you need to make Lockdown Blue Devils a part of your life each and every day. If you have not done so already, please be sure to follow and subscribe to Lockdown Blue Devils for free wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Also, be sure that you watch our show on YouTube. Hit that like button. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give this video a thumbs up. Share it with your friends. I mean, your support means so much to us here at Lockdown Blue Devils. Follow us on X at LO underscore Blue Devils, and I'm there as well at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. On today's show, boy, oh boy, am I in and you are in for a treat as our good pal Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated is back here with us. Basketball season has arrived. Uh, Cameron Indoor was back rocking and rolling on Monday night for that first game of the season. And uh, Connor, just boy, what a great time of year we have. Yeah, man. Um, I've I've kind of come to figure out about myself. I, I like covering football. I love covering basketball. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it, and it doesn't have all that much to do with how much shorter the game is. But um, but yeah, basketball it's it's so much fun to cover, and it's probably easier to cover when you cover a team like Duke in a in a program like Duke, where you're going to every home game at such a historic venue. Yeah, I mean, just the treat that you guys are in for every single game. Now that folks can continue watching us throughout this season, the game's inside Cameron Indoor. You see Press Row right there in front. So people get familiar with Connor's face, start looking for him uh, at those home games, and uh, be sure to show him some love there. So we saw one home game in the books for Duke against Dartmouth. Uh, They were able to get the win. They were able to cover. Uh, They looked pretty impressive all around uh, with what they were able to do out there on the hardwood. What are your biggest takeaways from game one? Yeah, my biggest takeaway is um, Duke was kind of pressed into showing us one of the ways that they're going to be versatile and different than they were last year. And that's we get there in an hour before tip, find out that Mark Mitchell is not going to be able to play with a sprained ankle. Uh, I, I kind of chuckled at Duke calling it a lower body injury. And then John Shire just puts his business out in the street with sprained <laughs> ankle in the post game presser. But um, that made, you know, we knew Duke was going to start three guards based on kind of what we'd heard around the program and the exhibition game against Pembroke. Uh, That wasn't the surprise. The surprise to me was going four guards and putting Jalen Blakes at the four spot with with four guys surrounding uh, Kyle Filipowski. And it wasn't, you know, TJ Power playing stretch four minutes. It wasn't uh, Jaden Shoot in there, which we can discuss later at the red shirt. Uh, possibility there Uh, you know we didn't see Sean Stewart until the last 10 or 12 minutes of the game so John Shire's showing you that he's going to trust Ryan Young to start uh, as was the case last year in some spots and then he's going to trust Jalen Blakes coming off the bench he's got experience he I think at one point his first few minutes of the game he was deflecting everything that was thrown around him Um, just 
getting used to the versatility of this team, it's going to be so much different than last year. Last year, Duke was just big. Like that was the easiest way to put it was it wasn't just Derek Lively in the middle. It was having flip at the four being a seven footer and throwing Mark Mitchell and Derek Whitehead out there on the wings. Sometimes this team played with one guard on the court, uh, unless you consider Derek Whitehead a guard, which I kind of don't, but it's, it's a lot different of a team. And, and we saw the smaller version of the versatility that they can go to this year in game one. Yeah, and how about you know the similarities between that final game of the season against Tennessee a year ago and this one, just simply from that Mark Mitchell angle, right? That they came out of nowhere, kind of like right before the game gets going, oh yeah, Mitchell's not going to be available tonight for Duke. And that was a similar kind of storyline that we saw here in the first game of the season. It begs a bigger question, what does that availability look like against a team like Arizona on Friday? Tuesday coming up, you've got a, a game against Michigan State. I, I think ultimately, though, a much better position as opposed to being in the NCAA tournament where it's, <laughs> hey, you lose and you're kind of out of here, right? Not the start I think Mark Mitchell was envisioning to his sophomore season, but uh, a lot of optimism, I think, for still what this team can do and uh, what his season in particular will mean. Yeah, you're giving me flashbacks to watching him go through warm-ups down there in Orlando last year, and then all of a sudden in the starting lineup roll call, they they go through and it's like Derek Whitehead starting. I'm like, what? <laughs> um, no, I think the biggest positive moving toward Friday is Mark didn't have a walking boot on his foot. So you always look for these indicators of guys when they are going to be out. Uh, you know, we did it for the first two or three months of the season last year, it felt like between Lively, Whitehead, and Jeremy Roach with the toe. Um, so Mark Mitchell just basically being in, uh, I think, khakis and a polo and no no big walking boot, no, obviously no crutches, no anything like that. You know, I, I don't want to say that's the surefire sign that he's playing, but by process of elimination and what you don't see, it's a pretty good indication that this was on the precautionary side of things, not the long-term side of things where you're talking about he's going to be out for a matter of weeks. So, you know, we're, we're going to find out more from John on Thursday afternoon. There's a press conference and, you know, I can probably fill in the blanks of uh, we're, we're going to wait and see. Uh, we have to, we're going to evaluate Mark in the, in the hours leading up to the game and hopefully he'll be able to go all that routine and mundane stuff you hear from a coach, but I would I would kind of hedge my bets toward him playing in this game. Which will be big for the Stoop team. When you can get a player like Mark Mitchell, who is such a good defender out there, who kind of works so well playing off ball and is able to kind of make things done, excited to see what he's going to be able to do against a big-time squad uh, like the Arizona Wildcats. So that, of course, is coming up on Friday night from inside Cameron Indoor Stadium couple of other key players for the Stoop team got off to impressive starts on the new season. Let's highlight them and some of their performances, and we'll do that after our first time out here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. Locked On Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Boy, oh boy, do I love our friends over at Prize Picks because when you're talking about them, they are the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch those winnings roll in. 
All of a sudden, with basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from a specials league. It's a league created specifically for these combo projections. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey, a 10.5 combo of three-point shots made and catches in a football game. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so that entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Those entries will still stay in play. Uh, if a player exits in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Right now, you can go to prizepicks.com slash college and use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. prizepicks.com slash college and use code LockedOnCollege. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Let's move forward here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. I'm JJ Jackson, and joining me here is Connor O'Neill from the Devils Illustrated. Perfect time for people to check you guys out. Duke.rivals.com. Kind of tell me what they'll find on the website right now. Oof, it's uh, it's going to be heavy on both sports right now. It's uh, that time of year when it feels like there's all kinds of bullets flying. Um, getting to the end of football season, Duke is already bowl eligible, as you probably know. Uh, and basketball season ramping up with, you know, I like to think of Duke having a soft opening, and then now it's you know, it's kind of opening night, and then uh, they take opening night on the road to Chicago next week, and it gets it gets real in a hurry for Duke. Um, n- never mind the fact that their their next big time opponent after Arizona is already zero and one this year, and we can have a little <laughs> chuckle about that. But got a lot of good stuff at Devils Illustrated. Uh, and today is signing day, actually, which signing day kind of takes the steam out of things when you. When you have the close rate that Duke has, uh, they expect all five commits to sign. There might be a sixth joining. Um, we'll we'll be tracking that for the next week, and uh, we'd love to have you all join. Yeah, go check it all out, duke.rivals.com. Incredible coverage over there. So talking about this Duke basketball team and the start to the season that they had, uh, Kyle Filipowski, a player that we spent a lot of time this offseason talking about, his return so impactful. This guy's a preseason All-American. A lot of people think he's going to be uh, the ACC Player of the Year, an NBA pick uh, in his future, has a long professional basketball playing career ahead of him. Last season, he gets his college career started by stringing together the most double-doubles any Duke player had ever put together. This year, a ho-hum, 25 points, 10 of 12 shooting from the floor, nearly gets to that double-digits figure and rebounding. Like, Wow. Flip had an incredible game on Monday night, Connor. Yeah, he really um, kind of snuck up on you because he was he was good in the first half. Uh, he had ten points. I think he might have been four or five at that point. He, he hit a. Th- I think the only three he hit was in the first half. Then he comes out and scores ten more in the first four and a half minutes of the second half, and you're like, whoa! You know, some some kind of light bulb pro- was probably on, but then it got turned up. Um, and I asked John about that after the game, and it was the question was simply, was there more of an emphasis from Flip to be aggressive, or was there more of an emphasis from his teammates to get him more involved? And as with most questions like that, the answer is kind of both. It's it's going to be a little bit of one and a little bit of the other. And um, when you go back and rewatch the game, there's the interior passing 
um, in the in those first few minutes of the second half really stands out. Uh, I think one of them, Ryan Young, gets an offensive rebound and hits flip, cutting through the middle of the lane for a big dunk. Um, I want to say that's when Tyrese Proctor had the one-armed uh, assist. One of his eight assists on the night was to a uh, pick and and dive from flip. It, it just He's so good. Um, you know, it's it's a little easy to take it for granted. Uh, I, I spent a lot of time writing about his hip surgeries in the offseason. Uh, I wrote a big feature about it from ACC Media Day and how much better he feels. But, you know, we've we've seen one game in, like, the, he does move more fluidly. Um, if you spent all year last year watching him and then you watch what he what he's able to do now, it is a little different. You see a little more fluidity in his hips and his movements. And, and that's, I mean, you're talking about the player that was ACC freshman of the year last year, averaged 15 and nine, and now he's moving this much better. That's, that's a heck of a combination there moving forward. Yeah. I, I think he's going to be one of the best players in the entire country. Uh, we knew that going into the year, but then kind of seeing what he was able to do on Monday night, even going back to, you know, countdown Connor when he has that big drive and slams it home with his right hand. I was looking and Bart Torvik tracking kind of those advanced stats. Kyle Filipowski had 19 dunks last season. For perspective, Derek Lively had 54 a year ago <laughs> for this Duke team. But Flip had four dunks alone in the first game of the season. 19 all of last season in this first game of the season like yeah it, it, we, we thought okay it's probably going to be obvious that when you have double hip surgery you're going to be more explosive we'll see more finishes above the rim but then when you see those numbers man like wow <laughs> yeah if if he's able to attack the rim the way he did against Dartmouth and that's where the caveat comes in it's Dartmouth he's going to play a lot better rim protection uh, starting Friday with, with Umar Ballo or, or Bayo, I don't know how to pronounce that one. I only have to spell it. But uh, he's going to see better guys at protecting the rim. And that's that's the yin and yang of it. Like He's going to be much better. He's going to see better competition. Um, he was able to take advantage of it against a team that didn't have much rim protection. And it's not like everybody is going to have great rim protection. I mean, there's teams in the ACC that you look at and say, he's, he's going to be able to get whatever he wants whenever he wants on the interior. And you know, that's that's where you get into Duke being a front runner in the ACC. So you look at it again, uh, 10 of 12 in the first game of the season, four dunks. He's got five other two-point field goals. A couple of them were finishes at the rim with the left hand, a little off balance. Like the post scoring all around was something that was incredibly impressive to me for Kyle Filipowski. And then to a point you made a little bit ago, Connor, little easier to be able to finish when Tyrese Proctor is hitting you with some of those passes that he did the other night. And I think we'll continue to see that throughout the year. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna beat the drum a little bit this year, but the difference in Tyrese Proctor joining Duke last year at the end of August and Tyrese Proctor spending the entire, you know, spring uh, after Duke season ended last year to the summer on campus this year, getting stronger, developing more of a chemistry, um, I mean, you saw how well the guards all work together. Like they all complement each other's games. Uh, it's it's just it's hard to not be effusively praising 
how well the guards move and work together off of each other. Um, you've got Proctor running the show as the point guard. If he comes out, you can really plug in any of the other three as Duke's point guard and not really miss a beat. Like Jeremy Roach has been in that role. He's better off the ball. Um, we've seen Jared McCain. He's really stout. I think the only negative in the entire game for Duke was really that Jared McCain fouled out of the game. Uh, and he had a fun quote with me afterward about thinking that he's got to adjust his physicality. And um, yeah, that's that's on my Twitter. It's too long to explain now. Yeah, go check it out. There was a reference to finger painting in there. Um, that's something that we'll have fun with all year with him, I think. But, um, yeah, the, the, the guard play of this team is the other part of the ingredient where you look at what Filipowski is able to do inside – the dirty minutes and dirty stuff that Ryan Young is going to be able to give you, not saying he's a dirty player, just the the cleaning up stuff. Um, it's, it's this team checks a, a whole lot of boxes. And for all the, for all the spring and summer consternation that we had about whether they're going to have a rim protector, you know, who's going to play center. Is it really going to be Filipowski at center? Like if that's the only unchecked box on this team, it's a pretty good team. No doubt about that. Excited to see Friday against Arizona to see what Duke can do. Want to get to football here in just a moment. What's the one big thing it's going to take, though, for Duke to walk away pleased with their performance against the Wildcats on Friday night? I think they've got to make Arizona miss shots. Um, Arizona was number three last year in the country in effective field goal percentage. They had a, you know, they scored 122 points in their first game against Morgan State. Uh, they, you know, how good Duke's defense was against Dartmouth is how good Arizona's offense was in their opener. So it's going to be strength on strength because Arizona makes a ton of shots. Duke uh, last year obviously made people miss a lot of shots against them. And even without Derek Lively uh, against Dartmouth, Duke still, or yeah, Duke still made Dartmouth miss a ton of shots. Um, other than the guy who got off for 23 points. Dartmouth was eight for 37 from the field. So it's a, a lot of this game is going to come down to whether Arizona can make the same types of shots that they're used to making. Let's talk about the other storyline that had nothing to do with the play on the court. Again, we'll get to football after our final timeout here uh, on the show today, but uh, a notable absence, not Mark Mitchell, who was out due to injury, but as the game's going, as the bench starts to empty out, as walk-ons start to enter the game, there's a scholarship sophomore guard by the name of Jaden Shute, who I have proudly led the fan club for uh, his time in Durham so far, who did not get into the competition. Uh, really kind of interesting interaction uh, that you and the rest of the media had with Coach Shire following the game. So here on Wednesday, two days removed from that, kind of what is the status of Jaden Shute, Connor? Yeah, there. It's an ongoing status. Like I don't think anything has been determined and set in stone. Um, they're looking at redshirting him this year. And arriving at that conclusion is not just a John Shire decision. It's not just a Jaden Shoot decision. That's where I think you have the fluidity of it. And But right now you're looking at a team that he's not he's not taking minutes away from any of the guards that are in the rotation right now. Um, Jalen Blakes brings too much to this team defensively to be anything but the fifth guard. And then when you have a healthy Mark Mitchell, you're talking about a, a rotation that goes nine deep. Uh, if you go by what we saw from this team in, in game one. So 
the idea is to preserve his red shirt and preserve a season of his eligibility. Um, it, it's not something where he's guaranteed to transfer because of that. Um, but that, that's just where the situation is right now. Uh, it's caught a, it's caught some people off guard, but look, I, I'm trying to be diplomatic and, and nice about this. Um, Jaden shoot has one trait that makes him playable for college basketball rosters. And that's his three point shooting. But if he can't do other things well enough to make him not a liability on the court, like he's got to defend well enough to be able to fit into somebody's rotation. And I don't know. We didn't see that from him last year in the extremely limited minutes that we got to see him. And I don't know. You know, we we seem to have been given an indication that he doesn't defend well enough to get on the court for this team. So We'll see how it shakes out. Like I, I don't think, like I said, I don't think anything's written in stone. Uh, I think John was a little caught off guard by the question coming to him on on Monday night, but uh, that's that's kind of the status right now. Yeah, people want to know. I mean, and you don't really see players that are out there for their freshman season, and then all of a sudden it's the sophomore year that a red shirt comes into play. So we will definitely see. Uh, what what it looks like for the Stuke basketball team and Jaden Shute in particular in the days and weeks to come. One more time out, and then we talk football. We wrap it up here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. Lockdown Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. This is America's number one sports book, as you can score early this NFL season with FanDuel. Go ahead, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than now. The app is so easy to use, a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. All right, Duke football, big game on Saturday. Duke in North Carolina, one of the best rivalries in all of college sports, certainly the greatest when it comes to the hardwood. Uh, they're going to play on the gridiron in Chapel Hill at Keenan Memorial, and everyone in the world wants to kind of know what's going on with Riley Leonard at that quarterback position. If it's not Leonard, how does Duke win a game like this against a really talented North Carolina squad? Big questions going into a game like this. Uh, and it's all of a sudden, Connor, a Duke team that found their sixth win, they're bowl eligible, and given some of those injuries, like, wow, tip of the cap to Mike Elko once again for kind of what he's doing with this team. Yeah, they they squeezed it out. Um, you know, I've Wake Forest just had a game like this when they beat Pitt, and you come away from that game saying Wake did what it needed to do to win. Pitt also did everything in its power to lose the game. And now you're saying that about Duke. Duke did what it needed to do to win the game. Wake did everything it could to lose the game. Like they just go hand in hand. I and mean, you have a Wake team that commits three 15 yard personal, fa- uh, three 15 yard penalties and two turnovers in the fourth quarter for Duke to come back and score the last 10 points of the game and win. And uh, I'm not taking anything away from Duke. I, I can't stress that enough. Like Duke made the plays to win the game. Grayson Loftus made the throw that drew the pass interference. Um, Jalen Coleman got in there and made some good runs. Grayson Loftus's throw to Samir Hagens before a 15-yard penalty was a great throw. But 
Wake Forest is a four and five football team that's one and five in the ACC. Carolina is one of the best teams in the ACC, probably in that four or five range, um, maybe three. But yeah, this is this is a hell of a game, and it and it boils down more to the the rivalry, as you said. Um, it's a great rivalry. Duke has a lot of kids that do not like North Carolina. Like we talked to Aeneas Peebles yesterday, and he was telling us about growing up in the triangle and being offered by Duke and by state, but not North Carolina. And he, you know, that's where you get the Michael Jordan meme. He took that personal. Um, It's a great rivalry. We we talked to Jacob Monk, who I believe it's his dad went to Duke. His uncle went to North Carolina. And he he was straight up with like, he told us the first time he ever remembered being upset about a football game was a Carolina win over Duke that he couldn't go to and he had to watch from home. Um, it's, it's going to be a weird game. Like Duke is in a weird spot. They're goal eligible where, you know, if you, if you rewind four months ago when everybody thought they knew everything about what college football would look like this year, um, you know, everybody's thinking that Duke would struggle to be even bowl eligible, right? Like their schedule was just so tough that they wouldn't even be able to get to this point. But their September was so good that now it's like six and three is just kind of uh, okay, good, but we could have been so much more this year. It's just the the ebbs and flows um, kind of crack me up in that regard. But to to answer the first part of your question, I I don't think Riley Leonard plays in this game. Um, the ankle injury has hampered him, and then on a, on the other foot, on his left foot, now he's dealing with a toe injury that Mike Elko has said he's going to miss a significant amount of time. To me, that that says don't even don't think about him for this game. Maybe not think about him for the Virginia game. Maybe pit in a best-case scenario, but more likely possible bowl game for him. Sure. Um, Henry Beelan is kind of up in the air. Like, everybody That's is – That's a big question. If it's not yeah. Riley Leonard, who is it? Is it Beelan yeah, I- or is it Grayson Loftus? I just think I think it's going to be Grayson because Henry's been hurt. Henry's yeah. been dealing with an upper body injury. Uh, they were kind of finding out he was dealing with when he beat NC State and and when he completed four passes to win a game. So, yeah, I think it's going to be the freshman again. Um, as ugly as his seven for nineteen for eighty seven yards looked his receivers did cost him five completions. Like there were five drops in that game. So 12 of 19 looks a lot better than seven for 19. No kidding. But um, I think Duke's recipe to win this game is slow the game down, um, rely on their defense, which is the healthier side of the ball. Uh, When you start thinking about the offensive line being banged up and uh, you know, Duke was running Jalen Coleman at the end of the game against wake because he had fresh legs and also because Jordan waters and Jaquez Moore have taken a beating this year. Like they've, they've played nine games and they've taken some shots and they've doled out some shots. So I'd keep an eye on the running backs going into the Duke, going into the Carolina game. Um, And I think it's more about uh, controlling the ball, controlling the pace, slowing things down. And um, I think this has to be a low scoring game for Duke to win. Well, I'm excited to see it all play out. Excited to follow along with your coverage. Friday night basketball against Arizona. 
Really fun rivalry game there in Chapel Hill coming up on Saturday. Connor, it is great to see you as always. So glad to have you back here on the program and looking forward to many more conversations as the basketball season moves forward. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks, JJ. All right, that's Connor O'Neill joining us here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils, and that's going to do it for our show here today. Leave us a five-star rating and review. As always, like and subscribe to the show. That'll do it for today's show. Thanks so much. So, Duke, I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.